Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. Welcome to our Good Friday service this evening. Uh, It's one of those services out of the year where we come in and it's quiet, it's a little darker and on purpose because tonight we commemorate, we remember the death of our Lord Jesus on the cross. And it's tempting for Christians, I think, to to skip over uh, the lamenting and the mourning of Good Friday because who doesn't want and prefer the joy of Easter over that? But it's a good time for us to sit 
and to remember and to reflect on what our Lord did for us and why he had to do that for us. To mourn a bit over our sin, to repent in our hearts towards him, and to maybe be refreshed with the beauty and the glory of the gospel. And that's why we're here tonight. So as we go through the service, we're going to hear uh, from Pastor Zane and myself. We're going to read what's called the seven words from the cross, uh, a compilation from the four gospels of seven sayings that Christ quoted as he was hanging on the cross that day. And in between each reading, you'll notice that there's a period of silence. I encourage you not to simply hear the scripture and then stare at the wall during the silence, but after the scripture is read, or perhaps while the scripture is being read, uh, bow your head and close your eyes and reflect, listen, use your imagination and, and picture and put yourself in that place and hear those words from the Lord Jesus. And then during that period of silence, uh, pray, confess, reflect, worship as we uh, go through the service together. Our first reading, though, comes from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6, in what is called the Song of the Suffering Servant. Hear the word of the Lord. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
from Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 26. And as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid him on the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him with a great multitude of people and the women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things, when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Continuing in Luke 23 and verse 35. And the people stood by, watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There also was an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were, who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. From John chapter 19, starting in verse 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to the bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, 
Behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. I wonder what you find striking about these first three words from the cross. These first three sayings, what stands out about them to you? Here's Jesus in intense, physical, emotional, spiritual pain, suffering, trauma. He literally has the weight of the world the sin of the world, the wrath of God on his shoulders. And in these moments, there is untold cosmological significance between the members of the Trinity in dialogue, the Son with the Father and the Father with the Son and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. These are divine moments. These are eternal moments. And the first three audible recorded words we have from the cross point to others. Where would your heart be in this moment? Where would my heart be in this moment? Probably not there. Probably not on others. Certainly not praying for their forgiveness or seeking mercy for them or inviting them into heaven or making sure that my family was taken care of. That would not be my first thought. You can't even watch the news these days without seeing sin and wickedness and the evil around us. And don't our hearts swell up at times at the news and say, get them, judge them. But do we hear the heart of Jesus, even in this moment, saying, forgive them? As he taught us back in Luke chapter 6, verse 35, love your enemies. And here Jesus, being put to the test on that very thing, proves himself to be no hypocrite. Even as they murder him, he loves them. And his heart breaks for them. When is the last time your heart was broken for the lost? When was the last time your heart was broken for the sinful world that we live in? Not just pity and not just anger or self-righteousness, but real sorrow over sin, theirs and yours. Real sorrow over the reality of hell. Two thieves on either side of Jesus in this moment, at first both mocking him and deriding him, but something changes in one thief. He realizes his own guilt and he realizes Jesus' innocence, and he begins to correct the other thief. Something changes in his heart. Furthermore, he asks Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. And though we don't have the little theological bullet points spelled out for us here, there in the words of this thief, we see repentance, we see confession, and we see a profession of faith in who Jesus is. And we know that this brings salvation because Jesus tells the man, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He was just mocking Jesus. He was just ridiculing Jesus. How can you now promise him paradise? And yet that is what the Bible calls grace. And that's what grace is, after all. It's undeserved, unearned kindness. The thief had no time to get down, to do anything for Jesus, to prove himself worthy, to prove himself holy, to be baptized, to take communion, to go to Sunday school. He didn't have time to do any of those things. But with the open hands of faith, This thief receives everything from Jesus, even with his dying breath. It's providential that Jesus is crucified between two thieves. 
Bible's telling us even here in this picture that he is identifying with the very ones he came to save. Here, Jesus is dying for sinners, and he's dying for sinners in the midst of sinners. Sinners like you and me. Undeserving, poor, destitute, dead in their trespasses and sins. Yet because of the mercy and grace of Jesus, he offers to those with the open hands of faith forgiveness, cleansing, salvation. And as we remember that thief on the cross, we ought to remember Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed You were cleansed. You were forgiven. And the final word here, we see Jesus caring for his mother. He knows that she's in pain. He knows that she's suffering for him. When Jesus was a baby and he was brought into the temple, didn't Simeon, the prophet there in the temple, prophesy about Mary? Not only will your son experience pain and suffering, But you yourself, he says to Mary, will have a sword that will pierce your own soul. And perhaps this is that very moment that Simeon saw and Simeon prophesied. And with his dying breaths, no anger, no malice, no hatred, with forgiveness and salvation and grace and love and care, even down to this minute detail of who will take care of his family and his mother. We can't help but see this scene. And sing as we are about to sing, what wondrous love is this. Amen. i 
from Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And from John chapter 19, starting in verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When our kids are hurt or kids need help, don't we as parents stop everything to help them? They say, I hurt myself, can you kiss it better? We say, of course I can kiss it better. When uh, little Lily asks for Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid, don't we give her Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid? When kids need something at night, in the middle of the night, no matter how sleepy you are, how tired you are, you take care of it, you get up, you fix it, you help. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, which of you, if your child asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or who among you, if your child asked you for fish, you would give him a serpent? And then Jesus makes this point, if you then, being evil, know how to give your children good gifts, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give his children good gifts? But here is the only son of the Father crying out in anguish to his Father. And he says, I thirst. You can hear your child saying, I'm thirsty, I need a drink of water in the middle of the night. And you go and get it, you go and get ice, and you make sure the water is cold and refreshing, so then you go back to sleep and be comfortable. But what does Jesus receive here in return for his request? He says, I'm thirsty, I thirst, and they give him sour wine. I think we read sour wine, and we sometimes think that's just you know, extra fermented wine. And we would say, well, who, who wouldn't want that on the cross? But that's not what it is. Sour wine is basically the same thing as vinegar. That's what the word vinegar means, sour wine to drink. And what comes to Jesus' mind in this moment are the words of Psalm 22. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 22. I think you'll find them familiar My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? 
Oh my God, I cry to you by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. They company, the company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. However we may put this together theologically, the son has cried out to the father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But there is no kindness here. There is no rescue. There is no deliverance. There is no smile from heaven. Only the crushing asphyxiating hand of the Father's wrath, a sour, bitter, burning, terrible, horrific cup. You see the humanity of the Savior here as he cries out, I thirst, this cry of what we call dereliction, abandonment, as if abandoned by his Father, left hanging there on a tree as a curse to die. And we might ask, how can this possibly be Good Friday? With all the anguish and the dread and the pain, the suffering, the crushing, the agonizing. Because all of that was for my sin and your sin. He hangs there. He is abandoned there for you. Wesley wrote, well might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in when God the mighty maker died for his own creature's sin. He was abandoned that we might be accepted. He was cursed that we might be blessed. Crushed so that we might be lifted up. Thirsty so that we might be satisfied. Broken so that we might be whole, killed, so that we might live. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen.
from the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And from Luke's gospel, it was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly, this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned to home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. What if I told you tonight that something was actually accomplished on the cross? And all of us would nod our heads and say, of course it was. Amen. That's why we're gathered here tonight. Something was accomplished on the cross. And we might think we mean that. But do we really? Perhaps we think of the cross as something potential. That was done. Something made possible, maybe. Perhaps a door was opened, but no one was actually brought in. Then Jesus might have said in this moment, It has begun. Or he might have said, It is now possible. But that is not what Jesus proclaims with his dying breath. With his dying breath, Jesus utters one word, tetelestai. It is accomplished. A term that means the job had been done. The mission had been accomplished. Whatever it is that Jesus had been sent to do, he has done it successfully. And what had Jesus been sent to do? John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will never cast them out. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus said, I lay my life down for the sheep. In John 10, 28, Jesus says, I give my sheep eternal life, and I will lose none of them. If that's the mission, to have all the sheep that the Father has given me, 
to secure them by my death and to guarantee them eternal life by my blood, Jesus said, mission given, mission accomplished. Something was done on the cross. Not a potential, not a mere possible salvation, but a real, actual, paid-for salvation. Jesus had done all that he came to do, and confidently now he gives his spirit back to the Father. Here is the incarnate Son of God dying a real human death. And he suffers the same fracture that you and I will in our physical death. Unless the Lord comes when our body is separated from our spirit. And here we see the promise that Jesus' human spirit goes to heaven to be with his father. And then the watch begins for Sunday morning. What a great salvation is ours. In Christ. I wonder if you know this salvation today. If you do not know this salvation to be yours in Christ, even right now, if you're watching or watching later, or maybe here in this room, repent and believe the gospel today. Take hold of by faith what Christ has accomplished for you. Find forgiveness in his bleeding wounds and then take up your cross and follow him. Believers here tonight, in all the pain and all the agony and all the suffering of this day, we can rejoice and indeed call it Good Friday because the mission was accomplished. We come here tonight with nothing to add. No loose ends to tie up, nothing to shore up in what Christ has done. We come here simply to rest in what he has done for us. The mission has been accomplished. Our God and our Father, we thank you for what you have done for us through your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that in him and through him and by him we have access to you by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit who is with us. We thank you that through the blood of Christ shed for us on the cross, we are able to gather as your people, no longer enemies, no longer separated from you, but brought near by the very precious blood of Christ. We thank you that the mission is done, the work is accomplished. Now, if anyone receives eternal life in you, it is because they reach out and take it with the empty hands of faith. God, thank you for Good Friday. Thank you for the death of your son. We rejoice to know that Sunday is coming. We praise you and thank you in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.
Would you stand as you receive your benediction tonight? May the love of God, the Heavenly Father, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.